once again to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and as always, I am pleased and I'm honored to be your host and your commentator for another of our commentary shows. One of the shows that we have up on air and online, we like to put it that way, because uh, that is how it is, kind of. Uh, we're not really on air, we're online, but well, one way or the other, the important thing is that to, to experience what I'm going to describe as the on-air equivalent of our, uh, of our show, uh, you got to go to www.centerlefttalkradio, one word centerlefttalkradio.com. When you get there, that's our homepage. Two links are there waiting for you. The first is the standard uh, podcast link, and this show that you're listening to right now will be on the top of the list. And uh, next in line, or the next link on the homepage, is the one to the radio loop and what that is, and I, I, you know, again, regular listeners know that, this is little more than, well, it's this show. It's no, the words aren't any different. The, nothing has been edited in or out. Nothing has been changed. But it's this show running on a separate computer here in the studio, and that computer essentially is running the show in a loop using software that runs it on a loop. That loop is being uh, transmitted outward. The show is being transmitted to my local, uh, my local modem. That modem is connected to a server, God knows where, and the server is connected to the planet. And that means that you can pick up this show at whatever point in the loop it happens to be, Anytime you go to www.centerlefttalkradio.com and hit the second link and get the feeling of joining an analog, turn the dial, flick the switch, watch the, the face of the dial light up, listen to the sound of the tubes warming uh, experience. Well, maybe that's not exactly how... Many people uh, still breathing remember it. There was a time, of course, where everybody had these big console uh, floor radios and there was a lot of tube warming and there were sounds and buzzes that came with the tubes warming until everything finally sort of came into audible focus. But, uh, well, it's just something we like to offer and it's something people enjoy. So you have your choice. Listen to the podcast or listen to the radio loop. Either way, uh, glad to have you here today on the 9th of December, 2022. Um, it is, uh, it, it's going to be a, what is it here in New York? Well, it's dark. <laughs> we, we, we do these shows in the dark. Uh, I start doing this show in the dark quite early in the morning. Uh, it's how we do it. Uh, I'm, I'm fortunate again today to be able to have uh, David Bach joining us. Uh, David uh, has been uh, improving and, and, and evolving uh, his whole life and his whole mission in life and everything. And he's been doing a lot of scholastically and, and job-oriented things over time that have prevented him from being regular with us uh, uh, for several months now. But I gather that's getting, that's getting close to 
the end time, as it were, the, the eschatological component of all that is, is nigh, and um, he may be with us more often, but let's not worry about that. What I'm, what I'm very grateful for is that he's with us today, and so we'll be hearing from him in a bit. Uh, I had an interesting day yesterday. Um, I, I, I'll, I'll, I, I could compartmentalize it three separate, there were three separate things that made it interesting. The, the least interesting, perhaps the least enjoyable, uh, was going back and forth and trying to hash out uh, a problem with a car dealership. And, and the issue had to do with uh, title and uh, of a car that was involved in a, in a it, it, gets, it gets confusing. Uh, it, it, was, it, it was being poorly handled, but we finally got it, or at least we're on the road to total resolution yesterday. That took a lot of time, and uh, <laughs> dealing with a car dealership is one thing. But, but you see, the thing that was interesting about it was that it came down finally. The, the, the corrective measures came when we were face-to-face. -face. The, the car dealership is right nearby. There's some very good people there. I don't want to get into names. I don't want to talk about anything. There was a, there was a comedy of errors that led to the problem, but the problem is on the verge of solution. And because there was a face-to-face -face component, I'm convinced that the face-to-face -face component is what basically moved this along as quickly as possible. And interestingly, as, as nearby as this place is, a lot of stuff also was happening online, emails, just going back and forth. But the moment we got this down to a face-to-face the, the issue began to crystallize and resolve itself. Okay, uh, I, was also, I was also honored yesterday uh, to uh, finally present uh, or, or to, be, to, to witness the results of a, um, a production that I had uh, done. I, I'd done a video, audio video production, uh, went well over an hour. It's, been, it's taken a while to put this together. On behalf of a not-for-profit out, uh, out in Oakland, California, an organization called Health Career Connection. And what they do is they take uh, undergraduate kids, mostly uh, from, uh, from uh, underserved communities or poor kids or you know, uh, racially diverse kids, and give them internships with large health-oriented or health-related organizations. It could be health insurance. It could be it, 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 sure. It could be a hospital. It could be anyone who is really tied into the entire health infrastructure of the country. Give these kids uh, an internship with them, and that internship, most of the time results in a job being offered to these kids with the net result that you wind up with a lot more in the way of diversity and you wind up with a lot more uh, uh, dedication within underserved communities from a medical perspective by putting the, the, the 
uh, a diverse population uh, first in touch with organizations that can give them a feel for how the real world works in the medical world, and then giving them also the incentive and the mentors and the people who can support them, the ability to get involved themselves and to, and to continue helping diverse populations or underserved medical populations as they very well may have been themselves in, in, at some point or maybe still are uh, in their lives. And, and, and it, it's, a, it's, it's a great organization. A shout out to a guy named Jeff Oxenberg. Uh, o forgive me, Jack, Jeff Oxendean, how dare I. Uh, and, and, and doing this for 32 years. And uh, I, I was so pleased to be a part of this and to watch uh, the, the event. I, I knew the event, but to watch it unfold last night. And I gather that it was a financially successful fundraiser as well. Uh, granted, it was uh, on a, uh, a media platform. Well, many, many people have chosen to go that way, uh, especially... Uh, since COVID, suddenly, uh, uh, this, this almost happened overnight. Uh, the, the need for virtual fundraising events just sprang into existence. Uh, the, the standard way in which uh, most of these fundraisers, you may have been to a few in your lifetime, the standard way these things work is there was a, uh, you rented out a big hall somewhere in a major city or wherever you were, and you had a big rubber chicken dinner of some sort, and you had, you were filling tables, and, and you had all the logistics of people coming and going and making sure they were there, and then giving out the, the, uh, the 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 uh, the bags at the end of the evening, the favor bags, and and the whole thing was focused on a location on a given evening, and it was the standard way in which we basically raised money for not-for-profit organizations forever. Enter COVID, and uh, suddenly, well, wait a minute, how how else can we do that? We can't bring people together. I mean, you know, you, you don't you you don't want to have a super spreader. How else can we do this? And well, we've got the internet, we've got social media. Well, that area of social media, we can promote it, we can create it, we can transmit it, we can have people attend it using something like a Zoom webinar or, or whatever. We could sell link. We can still sell seats at the table. We're no, 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 we're not giving out, uh, we're not going to be giving out, uh, uh, you know, favors and we're not going to be giving, you know, we, we can't, you, you can't dig into your rubber chicken with everybody elbow to, you know, elbow to elbow with you at the circular table, but you can have the virtual experience and yes, and last night we did it with about 200 people. And yeah, there's, there, there are limitations to how, how much you can feel interactive with them. But uh, the, uh, we, we had a technical group handling the actual transmission event. And there were all sorts of little things that can be done to keep people interactive one with the other. There was a live segment, as it were, a live virtual segment. And then there was a pre-recorded, the thing that I had worked on, that came next. 
And it was a splendid event. It was, it was wonderful to see people reacting and feeling positive about the organization. But so much of that was not just the result of the event itself. It was all the interaction that had taken place and was taking place prior to the event. Some of that was in person. A lot of it was conducted, of course, electronically in social media. But this whole business of virtual fundraising for not-for-profits is something now that I think will continue for a while simply because it's cheaper and easier and, and frankly, you can reach a lot more people uh, doing it that way. Does it, does it remove or does it limit the excitement? Does it take away the, uh, the urge to support an organization because you're not physically there? Um, no, I, I, I'm really, I think people are acclimating to the notion of virtual events. And, and, and I'm so pleased that it went off that way. And as I say, Health Career Connection uh, deserves everything good that could ha possibly happen to it. And I hope this organization goes on for a long time. That was the second thing yesterday. The third thing uh, basically was uh, something that I, I, I don't get to do too often, but I enjoy it when I do. You know, you hear me on this microphone uh, as the host and the commentator of center-left radio, and you know my voice and you know what I'm doing. Every so often, uh, you know, I, I know a number of people who do this sort of work, uh, but I got a, I got a, I got a last-minute request uh, yesterday from a dear friend who happens to uh, do a... Uh, he, he live streams uh, his shows, uh, a guy named Richard Skipper, uh, and Richard Skipper celebrates is kind of the is, is is sort of the branding of what he does, and he does all sorts of things, largely with a show business kind of an inflection. This is this is the world that Richard comes from, and I was asked to sit on a panel yesterday, and I did a one hour a one hour show on social media, and 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 it was fascinating to, to, to really uh, listen to, uh, he had a co-host on yesterday, uh, she was a PhD and, and uh, had been involved, in fact I'm not sure what her doctorate was in her, but, but she's involved, uh, uh, her practice uh, was heavily involved, or, or sees the results of young adults especially, uh, who are addicted to social media and the problems that arise from it. And there was another panelist and she was delightful as well. But, but the point of all this was to discuss how social media has really gotten out of hand. And yes, on a Friday, you would expect that I would be talking about the most recent political situation and I would be sort of, uh, uh, edging my way towards introducing David a little bit later in the segment and, and getting the show going that way. But it was, it was really rewarding and, and disturbing at the same time to, 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 to sit on, the four of us on live, you know, and, and, and by the way, Richard's show, Richard Skipper's show is, uh, is basically uh, video, so we're, 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 we're on camera and to discuss 
where we are and where we're going within the world of social media. I tell you the story about uh, a car dealership, a, a not-for-profit fundraiser, and this, simply because they're all, they're all basically connected by the fact that online presence and what is broadly referred to as social media played a role in each one of them. And each one of them, the role of social media, was to basically, well, the net result of it was to reduce the face-to-face -face human contact that normally would have been associated with interactions of the type that I had, say, as recently as 15 years ago, 20 years ago. 15 or 20 years ago, everything that I went through with this car dealership, everything that I went through or everything that happened with this not-for-profit fundraiser for, for Health Career Connection, and everything that had to do with my being a panelist would have only happened in a live face-to-face -face environment. Or in order to make it non-face-to-face, uh, -to, -face, to make it virtual, it would have taken some uh, relatively extraordinary actions uh, setting up all sorts of special links and what have you, uh, be because the technology was not would not have been that readily available, and it, it it gave me pause to realize just how far we've come. You are listening to me in a form of a a, a something that is arguably a component of the larger, uh, inter it's the internet, but social media has become sort of the, the terminology, I think, and, and you know, you can, you, can, you can argue about the hierarchy of terms here. Everything that we, anything that interacts us uh, of an electronic nature is broadly within the sphere of a social media of some sort. I am, I am right now coming to you either within a, 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 uh, a stream uh, for purposes of the radio loop or a, a, uh, basically because of the podcast. This is one area, one, one niche within the larger room, one, one, of the, one of the breakout rooms of social media, if you will. Then, of course, there is educational, social, how many people do online stuff? There is, uh, there are financial and business transact, there is actual pure commerce that is done within, I guess you could broadly call this social media. We're using the same platforms, we're using the same internet, and we're interacting in ways that would have required direct personal connection 15, 20 years ago. There would have been no way to do it otherwise. Short of, short of telephone activity, that would have been the one thing that, well, that was the extent of our social media. And we were talking about this yesterday during this panel show. And, and thinking about all of the negatives that have come into play with 
social media and 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 how and and the the the, the people on the panel who were far more focused on this as a, as a medical or as a psychological issue were, were far more adept at expressing this than perhaps I would have been. And saying just how this separation of the, or this elimination of necessary human interaction has so grievously affected us and, and has, so, has so infected uh, so many aspects of our lives. And, and it occurred to me, and I said this on the show, am I contributing to the negative part of this with what I am doing right now? Now, I believe that what I am doing with center-left radio, we've done, by this point, somewhere around 770 or 80 shows over the course of the last five-plus years. But I see this as a, an effort to overcome a lot of lies and a lot of, and a lot of uh, fabrication and to, have a, to be a voice of reason, yes, with a political perspective, but I don't see myself as inherently problematic simply because I am within some one of the breakout rooms of social media in what I'm doing right now. That uh, it's not inherently problematic because I'm not doing a one-on-one -on -one interaction with people. No, this is this is simply how we are set up right now. But we we began talking about what is happening to people as a result of not of, of not being one on one this this willingness to just sort of drop into uh, an online presence as opposed to a direct presence and what and what the the problems of all this are what we're creating among ourselves the incapacity of a lot of young people to develop relationships of any consequence, the, the pulling away from direct activity or direct interaction in favor of some kind of avatar-related kind of presence, and that being acceptable or even preferable, and that was the scary part, preferable to uh, natural, what I would consider natural and normal interaction, and how this has infected and affected our entire social fabric. And the question became, what do you do about this? And what is easy to do is to simply point out the problem. And we are, we are losing contact. We are no longer, a, pe people don't really deal with one another. They, of course, the whole, the whole business of you know, being in a restaurant and looking at two people at a table and they're both on their self. They're facing each other they're on a date. They're, they're together, a man and a woman, uh, maybe even business dress. And they're on each other. They're on cell phones. And, and perhaps the closest they'll come to any kind of real interaction is if one happens to text the other. How often do you see this? 
How often do you see a bunch of kids, uh, teenagers walking together and everybody is just working on their cell phones and interacting or somehow being involved with the world via that mechanism in their hands and the, and the opportunity for communication and interaction is being bypassed at a, at a prodigious rate. Everybody is just sort of physically in the same space, but not socially, mentally, emotionally, or in any other way. And, and we, we, we talked about all this. And, and the question arose, how, yeah, we, we know what the problems are. How do we solve it? Well, you know, if you, if you, take, a, if you take a Facebook, a Zuckerberg wants to create a metaverse in 10 years or 20 years where we're all running around wearing goggles and living in virtual reality. I, I don't know what the hell his real idea of this metaverse is. I think basically what it was was the realization that Facebook was losing revenue to competitors or just wasn't really up to snuff the way it was supposed to be. Its numbers were going down. It was losing a lot of of the uh, hike in revenue that came with COVID was beginning to go away, and Zuckerberg basically is looking for a new product to sell. Um, Twitter, God knows what the hell's happening with that under Elon Musk. It seems like it's going back into uh, uh, a, a, a hyper-conservative, uh, you know, crazy farm uh, of, of stuff. And, and, and it, it's difficult to get your arms around... Um, Exactly. Well, well, no, I take it the other way. I want to go the other way on that. There's no lack of specific um, examples that you can that you can point to about what's wrong with the way we deal with social media. But then the question came: How do you fix this? If we just keep bemoaning this all the time. We have, well, like, like take today, okay. Brittany Griner has been released from a Russian gulag, I don't know, wherever they had a labor camp, wherever they sent her, and, uh, and, and, by, the, and by the largesse, of, by the goodness of, of Vladimir Putin's heart, uh, has been swapped out uh, for a former Russian arms dealer, uh, international arms dealer uh, from Russia. The guy's name was Boot or Bout. I forget how his name is pronounced. He's been in an American prison for, for a number of years now. And uh, Putin, uh, because of however things were done with American negotiators, in the end, since it's an autocratic country, since Russia is totally autocratic, it's whatever Vladimir decided would work. But in any event, using the Saudis as go-betweens, a swap was set up between this this former arms dealer bout and uh, boot bout and Brittany Griner. And you've seen on all over the media, you've seen her getting off a plane and, and him getting on and one going one way and one going the other. Uh, here's what happened on the, air at the airfield, I think it was in Dubai or Qatar, where, wherever on, whenever the actual swap took place. And with the end result that Griner is on American soil. But what winds up happening? Immediately, social media goes abuzz with those who basically will accept and give some credit to the people who were involved for getting an American uh, out of Russia and those who simply need to find an opportunity to take a swipe. 
at the people who were involved in the negotiation. So, so the Republicans and uh, and 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 and, uh, and and the and the incoming uh, head of the uh, House of Representatives over there, the presumed new Speaker McCarthy, basically start uh, saying, "Well, you know, they 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 got her out, but how about uh, that a real Amer-? and they left the other guy in, and they basically traded for an arms dealer who would kill us and blah blah and." And that is now what you're going to be hearing on Fox, maybe, uh, most definitely on One American News. That's all you're going to hear for all eternity. Whereas on the other side of that issue, you're going to hear relatively positive things on MSNBC and CNN and, and on the major networks as well, that a prisoner swap was worked out between American and Russian authorities, ultimately approved by Putin. Nothing happens without Putin, certainly not at this level. And that essentially we brought someone home. And the guy that we gave them back, the Americans determined that he's been effectively neutralized. His capacity to do the nasty crap that he's done in his past is, is relatively, um, has been, not if not eliminated, it's very unlikely that he would do it again. We're not seeing him as a threat, and we sure as hell know how to keep an eye on him at this stage in the game. We probably know a hell of a lot more than we, we will ever give on to, give into or allow about what his operation was and, how, and whatever information we got for him. There's another American who's out there uh, who basically is still being held by the Russians. He's been there for four years. He's an ex-Marine. He was dishonorably discharged by the Marines. He was involved in some kind of, uh, 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 was it electronic intelligence products or some kind of products, uh, was picked up by the Russians on an espionage charge. And um, I, I get the sense that there may have been some teeth in it because, well, well for one thing, he was picked up during when, when, when Donald was still in office and not a peep was made. It was two, two years, uh, four years ago. So Donald was in office in 2018. This guy gets arrested in Russia for espionage. Not a word coming out of Donald's mouth about, oh, this is unfair. We got to get him out. Blah, 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 blah. I don't even know if Donald even noticed the guy was there. But in any event, now, now that the Britney swap was able to take place, and this other guy, the ex-Marine, uh, was not able to be gotten out. Well, now now the conservative media is going to now pound the hell out of We went ahead, and of course, you know, Britney, Britney Greer being a transsexual uh, uh, black uh, basketball star, et cetera, et cetera. Well, that, of course, plays into the whole... Uh, you know, social, uh, uh, you know, the, the whole social media uh, culture wars thing. And it, maybe you can't say the words directly, but everybody gets that, you, you, you know, as you look at Britney and you know exactly what her history would have been, that's, that's reminding people on both sides. Your eyes tell you that this is, this is this sort of a game, and the game will continue to be played ad infinitum. 
and there'll be conspiracy theories, and there'll be there'll be lies told to people about who she was or what she wasn't, and then there'll be and then who knows who's going to threaten whom over what and how and how all of the crap about this and lies about basically what the negotiation process was, and just tr for the republic. And I'm sorry, the Republicans trying to just make hay out of anything, not do anything, but make hay out of it. All of that will once again be fed in through the social media engines. It will be magnified. It will be siloed. It will be dropped in one way for people on one side and another way for people on the other. And it will go and affect and infect behavior and thought processes, and it just gets added to this never-ending pile of stuff, of crap mostly, that is infecting American minds, that is coming in at, at, at super high pace, that people just stare at, get an idea of, get a quick notion of, add to their already preconceived set of notions about who they are, what they believe in, which side they're on, and it happens and it continues day by day by day, and what would be, what would be the, the basis for basically determining what really is happening, reasonable, honest, serious discussion of facts and people talking about, well, what really went on here? How did this work? Get, most, uh, get different sides of the question. No, no. What we do is we simply feed our version of what happened, whatever side you're on. You use the social media mechanisms. Maybe you crank them up with some bots that are going to go out, and you know how to sell this story to the crazies that need to hear it a certain way, and you know exactly what what to stress and, and what negatives to stress to get people more excited and more grievance-oriented about all of this. And the facts get lost somewhere in the need to persuade and dissuade and essentially to excite people into a particular way of thinking because someone is capitalizing on this. Someone is using this as a mechanism to assert control. Somewhere, you can always trace, you know, follow the money, you always find eventually that this is a vehicle for someone to assert control. And I, and, and I go back now to the show that I was on yesterday, the panel. And, and, and I was trying to, you know, again, you, we could talk about, I'm talking about this now. And you may agree with me completely. I hope you do. I hope you, you and I share a common thought about this is not a good idea. This is lousy. This is a methodology of just basically people don't even have to read the whole story. They just have to know where the source is and see the right headline, and boom, the whole story falls into place. And it's not even so much the story. It's basically a talking point. It may be a phrase, and that gets heaped on the garbage pile uh, that is basically formulating their concept or their, their Weltanschauung, their worldview, their perception of who they are, the group they are with, with no real knowledge and discussion of anything. How the hell do we stop this madness? How do we begin 
to, to break down this process of simply siloing in information, piling one layer of lie quite frequently on top of the next, and people just absorbing this in emotionally. What the hell needs to be done to actually change this? One easy thing would be get rid, get rid of social media. I mean, that would be a radical sort of thing. It would be a it, it would be a, an interventionist, a, a, a major intervention. Too many people are addicted to it, literally. But the other thing that that uh, I mentioned, and I guess it, it comes from my orientation, my my background, is that we need to have a legislative uh, groundwork. We need to pass laws involving liability for lies that are presented by an organization that is making a bloody, bloody fortune, basically acting or claiming to be the town square, but essentially purveying lies. You don't want it, the responsibility, oh no, 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 it's not my fault. Well, it is your fault. And if you don't want liability for repeating and purveying lies, then get the hell out of the business. No, I, we don't want to do that. Okay, then let's pass a baseline set of laws that clearly, unambiguously, make social media platforms responsible, legally responsible, for the content that they put out on their sites. If you have a platform, if you are allowing people to say stuff that's absolutely nuts and libelous and slanderous in any other environment, you cannot hide behind the fact that you are a social media platform to do this. And also, you as a person, as the person using the social media platform, are subject to libelous, well, to, I guess it, it depends on how it's put out, libelous or slanderous statements, and you can't simply hide behind a bot. You can't hide behind another persona. You can basically be sued for lying on social media. The First Amendment cannot be this catch-all phrase that basically lets anyone do anything. I'm sorry. We are infecting ourselves too much. There, we maintain the First Amendment, but there are contravailing interests. We have to deal with it. And until we have a baseline law, a federal law, that says, okay, this is what the deal is, and people will fight it like crazy... But in the meanwhile, we have li lim limits of, of expression and liabilities determined, and people know when they're lying. Oh, geez, why won't you let me lie? You know, I mean, isn't it my right to lie to you? No, it's not. It's not. But, 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 but it's, it's, it's only online. It's only social media. It's not, you know, real. It's not like a newspaper. Or no, no, you don't have a right to do this. You just don't. You know when you're lying and you're not supposed to lie and you shouldn't be doing this. And I am, I am pushing, I will do anything I can to get the Congress of this country 
to come up with a smart bipartisan piece of legislation that defines the liabilities for purveyors, users, for basically platform platform owners and for users of those platform that we finally make a rational statement about the liability for, of, for lying, the liability for putting false information out for using it as a vehicle for incenting violence, for putting up violent communications. All of that, we've got to get that out there and let it be fought over like crazy. Let us, let us litigate the hell out of it and go nuts with it and yell and scream. But we begin with a rational set of rules on a federal level that guide people forward. I don't see any other way to, uh, it, to imagine that the internet or social media is somehow going to become self-curative. No, as long as the financial incentive is there to just simply get as many people and generate as much revenue as possible with this thing, this social media and the social media platforms are not going to be self-corrective. It's just not going to happen. We're at a point right now where this affects us and affects our lives far too deeply and far too seriously. We must take legislative control of these social media platforms and stop pretending that it's their permitted unfettered free speech simply because, well, it's a great idea and wow, people are making money doing it. No. No. We, we start with rational guidelines, just like the Second Amendment is not, an, uh, is not basically unfettered and unbounded. The, 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 the Internet is not unfettered and unbounded. And we have to start becoming responsible. Then fight it out. Over time, that'll happen. But for God's sake, let's, let's stop pretending that it's only social media, that it's really only a bunch of kids uh, in, in my space saying hi and waving hands. It's become so much uglier and so much worse than that. And we've got to start, we've got to react to this now because it, it's only going to become more difficult to react to and pull away from, to, to disenamor ourselves of, with, from, pick your preposition, as time goes on. Would you agree Legislation, basically a bill, a law, a very, very ironclad law. Here are the responsibilities of, uh, of, of the platform owners. Here are the responsibilities of people using these platforms. Here are your liabilities. Here are the extent that you can go before you will be subject to, uh, subject to penalty or uh, you, may, you may violate law, federal law, or you may be subject, you will be subject to liability from anyone who wants to sue you for saying this, 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 and this. But here are the limits of, here are the limits of that liability, but here, are, here is the foundation of that liability. What do you think? Gee, Rich, don't we have that already? No, we don't. We, we have consciously avoided it. Just like we, we seem to somehow always manage to avoid really developing comprehensive uh, border protection legislation here. Because somebody has something to gain politically by not doing it. 
Somebody basically is able to keep a culture uh, war uh, question going, or it's more convenient not to do it, or they're making use of the very thing that they should otherwise be controlling and taking some kind of responsible action for controlling. No. Okay. Now, we've got to do this correctly. And we've got to keep talking about it. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm here. I'm, hello. I'm social media. I'm in here. If I am doing something, I, I should be self-editing, and I hope I am for the most part, and I might make a mistake now and then, but for God's sake, largely, I believe that I self-edit damn well. And I'm doing things and I'm saying things that I believe and I know to be true, not because I am simply trying to push a position that basically will aggrandize me, give me money or give me power. No, that's not what this is about. Trust me, I am not making money or gaining great power doing center-left radio. I am doing this because I believe in what I am saying and doing. And I do it on behalf of the people who are listening to me. It's not to become, you know, uh, this is not going to become a media empire. No. Far from it. I try to tell the truth because, and, and as I see it, and as I believe it, as I filter it through my own mind, the vast majority of people pumping crap out there right now don't bother even imagining that as a responsibility. I, I, I just wanted to talk about that this morning. I just wanted to get those thoughts out there. We need to begin controlling this monster. Not just talking about it, not just bemoaning what's happening, not doing statistics, not just laying out how bad things are happening, how our kids are being torn away, blah, 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 blah. No, let's do something. Yeah, be nice. And that's what should be pushed for. Nice to tell the story. The stories of what's wrong are what will hopefully encourage people to take the legislative steps necessary. But we have to be looking towards the legislative steps. It doesn't end with just enumerating the problems. Boy, we can get better and better at that, at that as we go. Every Oh, wow, look at how bad that is. Oh, uh, ho-hum, uh, what's on the next station over there? Uh, what, oh, 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 yeah, what site you on right now? Oh, man, did you read what came in from blah, 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 blah? Yeah, yeah, okay. Now, we got to get better at this. I think we can. I really think we can. And I also think we're going to get a lot of information. Ah, you, 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 you saw that segue coming. From David Bach, uh, who will be joining us in just a moment. But, of course, uh, having uh, offered you so many mental treats to consume, it's time to wash at least this segment of our show down with... Uh, a little more jazz.
Hi, this is Richard Gazer. You know, it takes lots of time and effort and all kinds of resources to produce the kind of quality program we produce here at Center Left Radio. And it costs money to do it. Now, if we screamed a little louder or thought a little less about what we were saying, we could probably get a few advertisers to pay us to sell their products to a more tribally predictable audience. But that's not who we are or who you are. You come to Center Left Radio for non-commercial, thoughtful commentary. You're looking for an honest, progressive approach to solving America's problems, not exacerbating them. And we're committed to providing all of that. We're one of the few stations offering full-time, non-commercial, progressive programming. And we're the only station, the only one, doing it with a combination of hope, politics, and that most eloquent of all original American art forms, jazz. Think of it this way. We support your needs. Now we're asking you to support ours. Take a moment and go to our website, www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com, and go to the donate page. And when you get there, give whatever you can. On a one-time or maybe a recurring basis, $5, $10, $1,000, whatever you can contribute to make center-left radio's unique progressive voice stronger and even more significant as the full extent of the wrongdoing of Donald Trump and his associates becomes all the more evident. And as we seek to hold the House Democrats accountable for the promises they made to the American people during the last election. Yeah, you know what's at stake. And I know, we all know, we can count on you. On behalf of all of us at Central F Radio, thank you. You're listening to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz, and you're listening to us on the web at www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com. And if you listen to the beginning of the show, you're probably still listening uh, because you know what I'm about to say. David, what's on your mind? Uh, well, there's a lot going on. Um, the best place to find me at this point is on Twitter at Twitter at Faces Ideas, or you can find me occasionally on Twitch at uh, twitch.tv slash Fresh Faces No Ideas. Okay. Um, there, there's just a lot. Uh, let's, let's just start with what happened this morning. So, um, Kirsten Cinema. so let, let's back up. The Democrats secured 51 votes in the Senate. So they have a, uh, 51 they have seats, a majority. Yeah, 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 it's yeah. not a split. They can actually do things like uh, committee meetings and stuff, and they can, you know, uh, pass bills ignoring either cinema or mansion. In response to that, Kirsten Cinema, who's only does what her donors tell her, she has no, she she doesn't actually represent any of the people uh, in Arizona, and this is a, this is uh, shown by the fact that she's massively unpopular. The fact that Mark Kelly just won on a relatively progressive platform, yeah, by multiple points. Granted, to be fair to the other argument, he was running against. Lake Masters, who's a lunatic. Um, thank you, Donald. Uh, yeah. Well, thank you, Peter Thiel. Yeah, well, right. Um, yes, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what type of fuckery she does. Yeah. Um, because 
when in doubt, she's going to protect the rich and the powerful. That's that's literally all she. Did. But the she, best thing. In, yeah, I'm about, sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. About Kirsten Cinema is she's so obvious in like her blatant corruption that it just like argues that there should be reforms. But. But she's going to now. She's going as an. I you know it's funny. My my wife came running in. I I only heard it a little while ago about this. It, it just showed up on air, um, and maybe I don't know if this happened last night. But I but the first thing I asked was, well, wait a minute. Did she be, is she becoming a Republican? Oh no no no. I heard that she's going to be an independent. Well, how does this differ from Angus King? Let's say. It depends on who she caucuses with. Yeah. Well, that's it. But there's no That's, so there was no statement as to whom she's going to caucus with. She left it intentionally vague. Ah, uh, uh, but she also said that she expects you know uh, to not mess with like committee stuff, which, as the majority leader Chuck Schumer controls. So if she does, doesn't, if she doesn't mess, uh, if she does caucus with the Democrats, then I then I guess she can stay on those committees. But if she doesn't, then there's no reason to have her there. No, of course. Not. I don't expect her to become a Republican. Uh, uh, because they, she'll have no power there because the bills that will be passed by Republicans aren't going to um, have the appearance of helping people. They're just solely for the rich, and she wants to be able to pretend that she's doing good things but, but weaken it to, um, to, to help the rich. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh. Oh, so thank have, you, Kirsten. Thank you, Kirsten. Uh, it's a, another, another lovely present. <laughs> uh, so uh, let's move on to LGBTQ stuff because there's two things, three things to talk about that. One um, is this North Carolina substation, which yeah. was shot up. Now, this is still under investigation, and apparently this is the fifth one that's happened in like the last month. I didn't know about that. I didn't realize there'd been that much activity there. No. Wow. Not, not just in North Carolina, but yeah. like a, around. Um, which seems like a problem that these these electric companies should do should should have some oversight over like that that would be nice. Um, the yeah. other thing is the reason this is in this category is it appears to coincide with threats made against some type of venue holding a uh, a child friendly friendly drag show and people attacking it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Now onto the like, which look. You cannot argue that you're protecting children while you're forcing hundreds of thousands. Isn't it 40,000 people or something without power? Yeah, that's what it was. It was a small region, but, uh, you know, well, 40,000 people. It took them several days to get the power back. But yeah, that really helps children not have power. Oh, tremendously. Anyway, yeah. Um, the, and they knew exactly what they were shooting up, apparently. Yes, that's that certainly uh, is not good for what it is. Um, so... On the other hand, we have the uh, same-sex marriage bill passed. Yeah. Now, to be clear, the bill does not force you to be gay married. It does not force <laughs> your church to say that, uh, oh, we don't, we don't believe in homosexual marriage, so therefore uh, we're going to lose our taxes because we're going because uh, you're forcing us to marry these people. You can still be bigoted. What this bill says is that the 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 government has to recognize the marriage and yeah. gives the same benefits to a, a, a gay marriage as to a straight marriage when it comes to like tax rebates and stuff.
which is to That's say that it, which is to say that the government has to keep doing what it's doing right now under regulations that were well under court regulations basically, but we're finally codifying it into law. I mean, which, you know, damn, which makes sense. And I, I really, this might be my favorite argument. Jim Jordan's argument is. Why would we do this? It's not like this, the left is going to argue that the Supreme Court is just going to one day wake up and remove uh, uh, Oglesfeld. And, like, that's absurd because apparently that didn't just happen with Roe. That's right. Literally, literally the reasons the Republicans did so poorly is directly due to that, that, uh, that reaction. So, sure. yeah, it makes sense. And it's not like Clarence Thomas already – wrote in the opinion killing Roe that they wanted to come back to Oglesville. No, I, I, I totally agree with you on that. It's, I, I, I find it fascinating that they somehow, uh, and people, well, you're always going to find the people out there who will conveniently just try to forget what just happened with Roe and not to be able to extrapolate from there the single most garishly awful decision, the single greatest overturn of Supreme Court principles in my lifetime and I think in anyone's lifetime, that anyone alive right now, and assume that the court wouldn't do it again issue by issue by issue you'd have to be out of your damn mind to assume otherwise you must assert what you can assert to basically protect yourself from a from a lunatic court that's what it comes down to that's how i see it um and then we can talk about the other the other thing that has to do with the Supreme – actually, there's two Supreme Courts, so this will lead into it. So there's two Supreme Court cases that are being talked about. There's this um, – the web designer one, and then there's the, the Harper uh, – Moore versus Harper case. That's so right, yeah, yeah. The web designer one is important for the LGBTQ case because it's being presented as a similar case to the Baker, except that's not what this is. So the Baker, somebody actually offered for him – somebody actually wanted his services and the Supreme Court basically said like this is a specific case where it does where it matters what happened in this web designer case is this woman's not even a web designer yeah this the, this group that's backing her basically said we want to preemptively allow her to be exclusionary for a business that she does not run for a request that has not happened yet yeah that that's literally what it this woman wants to preemptively tell gay people they're not allowed to ask for a service she may have in the future. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, 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 it's how this got to the court which tells me that they're prepared to, uh, you know, to pass it. That, that's, that, that's it. That's exactly what the storyline is here. Otherwise, this would have never, ever been. There's no, there's no standing. There's no real, there's no real uh, meeting of minds and problem here. There's no, there's no event. There's no, central, there's no central structure to this. But it got there. Somehow, this court let it in. Okay. Well, yes, because it allows them to weaken, it allows them to weaken discrimination protections across the board because ultimately what this would set up is some type of defense that only the supreme court can decide what constitutes as uh, racist as homophobic as discriminatory because this you can just bring this case in a in a broad plethora of ways against a whole bunch of different groups and it allows you to create this hodgepodge of, of rulings about who they decide deserves the. Right I, to I, I I don't I don't want you I don't want you eating at my restaurant again. We're, we're, we can go right back to the 40s and 30s and 50s. I mean, we could we could start this all over again. That's what a that's, ruling like this would do. 
That's exactly what it would do. And that's that's what their their goal is. Now, the other thing is the the Moore versus Harper case. So, first off, they like you should listen to some of the arguments. Like the their arguments are nonsense for most of it. It's um because the idea here is that the 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 states have the right to ignore the voters. This is essentially what this case comes down to. Yeah. Um it's like it's originalists. They're arguing like again, originalists argue things from like 1780. Like stop. It, it it's it's a joke. Yeah, like it, this is such a ridiculous argument because it's you you're acting like we don't evolve and get better. Like originally we we lived in caves and beat each other to death with sticks. Like we didn't have all these other things. Like if you want to, you're like what? Like why is this law evolves as people evolve? A thing evolves. Like you you like you might as well be citing the Magna Carta to argue for present day legislation. Like yeah. what? This is absurd. And also, it's going to upend how democracy works because groups can just decide or two things. One, it limits the ability for outside groups to be able to uh, fight against overly gerrymandered maps. Um, basically how Florida ended up so red is because Ron DeSantis basically wrote his own map and they're like, yeah, that's fine. Uh, similar to the way Ohio and Wisconsin work. Yeah. Um, it allows them to lock in a minority rule. Um, also, it, it has bigger implications in some of these swinger states if you have a minority rule and you can just decide, oh, yeah, my guy didn't win the presidency, so they didn't get the, so the guy who won doesn't actually get the votes. Yeah. Yeah. That's the whole point. That's the whole point here. And, and, and if they were now, the court has had questions like this presented before it in the past. I think if I re, if I recall what I've heard about this is that they refuse to even hear these cases in the past. The fact that this case is there uh, again, is indicative of the of the of the bizarre mindset of the court, the way it's set up right now, the hyper conservative Looney Tune fringe court that we have going right now. But it's also, I don't know, maybe they could. And I and I heard some of the oral arguments being played on air. That this thing was being uh, the 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 audio of this was being played. It sounded as though they were going in the direction of continuing where the court has gone with this in the past, but felt they had to at least, uh, you know, tip their hat and defer to the crazies uh, who have been really pushing them to basically uh, codify this in law that you can go ahead and overturn any election you want. They still could do it. They still they still could rule uh, insanely. And basically start, you know, uh, uh, get ready for the next, uh, you know, uh, uh, incursion uh, uh, or the next invasion of a state capital by people pissed off that they basically had their vote, uh, you know, taken away from them and, and, and watch the entire democratic process of the country just go down the tubes instantaneously. I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful, reasonably hopeful that they will come down on the right side of this one, because if they don't. <laughs> David, I'm telling you, man, um, this is a biggie. This is huge. This is huge. If they if they blow this one, but uh, right. So there's two things to that. One, 
even if they fail in this argument, it doesn't mean the argument is over. It just means that the person who was arguing it made such a shitty case that even the, the level of hackery that the current court possesses yeah. could not argue with it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Two, yeah. this is a classic case where two justices should be removed. This whole idea is based on a unilateral theory for um, individual states. Now, two of those justices are deeply tied into this. One, Clarence Thomas, because this is what his wife was arguing to the states when they were trying to overturn the 2020 election. Yeah. And two, Brett Kavanaugh, which he argued in 2000 for the Bush election. Again, uh, we don't we don't have much in the way of moral integrity on this court, uh, and we don't have law that forces a justice, a sitting justice, to basically remove him or herself from a case. No, it's their option, and it's considered their ethical. Uh, it's an ethical thing to do. There are no ethics on this court. We know that already. I I I I cry over the insanity of what the court is becoming and the example it's setting for uh, jurisprudence throughout the country. I mean, how the hell do you expect lawyers to do anything more or less or, or to behave better or more ethically than the members of the Supreme Court are behaving right now? This is a horrible example uh, for the well, entire legal profession. Yes, but you have lower courts doing good things. So let's talk about those. That's so, the other side, yeah. yeah. Uh, Donald Trump has had a very bad, no good month since he's announced. He has, uh, he has dined with two very vehemently anti-Semitic people. And I want to be very clear about this. Like, Kanye is not mentally unwell. He was recently talking to, um, what's his face? Gavin McGinnis, who was, is the founder of the Proud Boys. And I shit you not, the phrase, what are we going to do about these Jews if you become president— was said in that interview. My God, really? Like, he is the he is the most outwardly Christian nationalist candidate because he does not understand how to use the dog whistles that all the other ones are using. That's the difference. Yeah, now, yeah, yeah. Following yeah. that, the Trump organization got found guilty on all of its tax fraud. Yep. Um, which... I don't know how much impact this actually has on him because I don't know which which if this is the civil case, the criminal case, it it doesn't matter. Well, what what uh, happens? Well, what what could happen here? And I I thank you for just asking that question. What could happen is that all U.S. based lenders? Oh well, no, no, this is New York. All New York based lenders, which is virtually all of the lenders that he might have out there that are still lending to him in the United States, they're New York based. The banks are New York based. They under the ter under the stipulated terms of the loans, could recall their loans immediately based on a conviction of criminal of, of criminal uh, liability for the organization. Uh, now, whether that's going to happen, I don't know, but that is an option. And if I were a bank, uh, and I don't know how many banks are actually still lending. American banks are still lending to him right now. It's mostly foreign money. It's Russian money, largely. Uh, I would pull it immediately. I don't. I haven't heard much about what was going on. What, what was the big bank that uh, was very involved with him? Um, was it Deutsche Bank? Deutsche Bank, Bank. Yeah, Deutsche Bank. Uh, well, again, they're not a U.S.-based bank. They're they're New York-based. They have a New York. They have a New York office. I don't know how that would work, but uh, th that's another. Well, he's got. There, there's so much crap uh, falling all around this guy. I mean, who knows how this is going to play out? Well, furthermore. It's then reported that 
because he stole so many documents and because he is such a a a, a risk to the lawyers around him, they never signed off. They couldn't sign any agreement with the government saying, hey, you have all the documents because they couldn't trust that they did that. So they had to hire an outside firm right. to do this. Right. And lo and behold, apparently they found more documents. Yep. Now, I haven't been able to follow up enough on this story, so I'm not entirely clear on all of the the details. Because um, I do know from what I've seen, there was different reporting of how many places were raided versus how many documents were found versus whether they were um, uh, confidential or not. Yep. But the important thing is that there's more documents, and this has led to the Justice Department looking to file contempt charges against him. Right. And 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 if they do that, basically, and if he doesn't basically show up uh, for the hearing on that, then there's a few million dollars a day that start getting pounded on him. But there's another thing out there, too, and I heard this this morning, and some Justice Department, I don't know if this is an official statement or a source close to statement, but the belief of a number of people within DOJ right now is that there are still not only, no, 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 let me put it the other way. There are still documents that are missing. And we, as we've discussed this case, as we've heard about this case, it's as though, well, let's just keep looking for whatever he has. Look at it the other way and look at document. If you were to go and look at all of the secret documents and everybody, obviously the government knows what it has in the way of secrets and do an inventory from the inside and say, okay, let's go through every secret document. We know exactly where they are. They're in secure rooms. They're in quiet rooms, wherever they are. Go bump. Okay, what's missing? Then let Donald and his and his gang come up with whatever they come up with, and then there's still some more missing. Well, I'm hearing, I heard from what from whatever source that there's still some more missing, and they're of the ilk that would have been attracted to attractive to Donald. So that that's another line that you may hear pursued. I don't have enough I have no I don't have a name. I don't have anything else on that, but it was mentioned on air that there are still more documents that the DOJ is looking for and I can't imagine that they don't have a perfect enumeration internally of what it is they're missing from their files at this point from you know from government uh, archives as it were right and now we have a better chance of looking through it because they the, the court also overturned judge cannon's just incredibly ridiculous argument for special worst argument worst legal argument in uh, the world she did she paid back donald and she took it in the neck for it she'll never be credible again ever right um and then this is the last thing i want to talk about twitter very quickly go ahead um well it's still here. Uh, I know we talked a little bit a while ago yeah. about it not because, but it is certainly breaking. Like there's, I have, I'm seeing a lot more glitches than I had in the past. Now, Elon Musk is a right-wing billionaire who interacts with the worst and dumbest people on the right. Because yeah. he believes them. Yeah. So he's, he also believes the Hunter Biden story. That is, this is, this is massive corrupt uh, scandal. Yep. So in order to prove this, he's released what are being called the Twitter files, and he's given them to two separate journalists. One of them is Matt Taibbi. The other one is Barry Weiss. Barry Weiss is just a clown. She's the, 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 the cancel culture. She created a fake university in Texas. It's, it's, it's a whole bunch of goofiness. So they've just released two separate of these Twitter files. Matt Taibbi released 
hit it in a chain about 20, 30 uh, tweets. The thing is, it doesn't prove what they think it proves. What those documents, according to Matt Taibbi, show is that, and this is one of his direct quotes, is it does not appear to have government interference with it. And it's worth mentioning, the government in power during the 2020 election was, again, Donald Trump. Exactly. So the argument that the government suppressed speech for the right means that Donald Trump suppressed his own speech. Exactly. Now, exactly. More importantly, the links that Matt Taibbi directly said that the Biden campaign were asking to remove, if you follow through with them, are Hunter Biden's penis. This is not exaggeration. Of the t- of the tweets that they were that came out that were asked to be removed, at least three of them of the five are Hunter Biden's actual penis, which would qualify for revenge porn. Oh my God! This is the argument they want to be able to see. Like this is a non-exaggeration. They're arguing they have a constitutional duty to see Hunter Biden's penis. It is. This is their argument. It is. In this thread, if you actually read it and aren't a hack, you see things like him saying the Trump White House and the Biden campaign. Those are two separate things. Yeah. I know the Trump campaign and the Trump White House were inter- interlinked, but one of those things is a political campaign, and the other one is the president's United States with the full power of the U.S. government behind it. Yeah. Those are yeah. not equivalent. Yeah. Furthermore, every single person who has a massive platform or the ability to uh, or, or, or basically anyone who could hire their own lawyers, like high level lawyers, has contacts with all of these social media companies in order to try to kill, try to uh, edit, try to get heads up when bad co- uh, stories are coming out about them. That's what, a, that's what a, a good publicist thing. does. Yeah. Yeah. So it makes sense that the presidential campaign would not want potentially stolen because remember, uh, you should watch some more news video on this. The information in the laptop is not verified, and the reason it is not verified is because the after the first story wrote, every other journalist who tried to get access to it could not get access to it until the later Washington Post story where they said they had two analysts look at it, and even they are saying this is not good. This is this appears to be both stolen and edited information, and there doesn't appear to be anything directly tying Joe Biden to Hunter Biden doing some criminal stuff. They're like, oh, it's the big guy. They can't seem to prove that. It's it's basically one guy who is making this argument. David, um, you and you and I both know that basically the purpose here is not to ever conclusively prove, because they know they can't, that, that Joe Biden is somehow criminally connected to anything. The idea is to keep this story in the news. That's all it's about. That's where it will end. But in the time, but during, but, but it's, 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 it's just packing down more information into the ultra right wing silo. All it does is give more people more headlines and more one-liners to toss back and forth to one another. All it does is give the media on both sides something to report on so that even on our side of the equation, we're talking about this crap. And that's all this is going to come down to ultimately. I honestly, honestly believe that. All that matters, it's, 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 it's the Donald Trump theory of things. Just get people talking about it. Don't worry about where it goes. But it's not going to go anywhere because I don't believe there's anything there from what I've seen. And uh, also, it's, it's not 
Um, there's, so there's another one I'm going to get to in a second. Um, even the best case, like the, the best they're going to find is basically that he's a fail son who used his father's name yeah. for nepotism birth, which is a thing every single person who has, has any contacts with attempts to do. Granted, it's on a higher scale when your president, when your father's the vice president of the United States, similar to, I don't know. If your father-in-law is the is the is the president of the United States, and you happen to work in the White House doing foreign policies that net you two billion dollars, and you're getting and you're getting Arab loans, and you're basically using those loans to buy out failed properties in New York City, yeah, yeah, I, there couldn't be an analogy to that, could there? I, no, I could have sworn I saw something that he might be under investigation for that. Jeez, yeah, uh, wow. <laughs> I, but I don't remember if that's true. Now the other one is the second. The second Twitter files were dropped by Barry Weiss last night. Among these, it appears that Elon Musk is, this is very clear, and this is why he's going to lose more um, uh, um, advertisers. He's going, it appears that he gave this person like high level employee access to all of our information, and they basically screenshotted it and started pumping it out in a way that does not make any sense. This current argument is about shadow banning. Among the things that we learned is that certain people who are peddling misinformation had their had their uh, accounts, um, I guess, shadow banned or like reduced the ability to see them reduced. Which, and I know this is crazy, is the policy that Elon Musk tweeted out that they were going to do like three weeks ago. Huh. Like word for word, this is policy is the same one he is currently implementing now. Some things in this that we don't know. We don't have the data of whether or not this is a cross-section of both the uh, right-wing accounts and left-wing accounts because we only know what Barry Weiss has decided, has decided to reveal to us. We do know that Libs of TikTok, which is essentially a, a, uh, a, a hotbed for generating terrorism against LGBTQ people, and in her own thing, she quotes, the reason that they, they – uh, suspended her is because rhetoric directly tied to the things that she says has led to attacks and threats against children's hospital a true statement that continues to happen yeah um yeah yeah, yeah that yeah. she was not allowed to be removed because of this like it's preferential treatment now they're arguing dan bon dan bongino and charlie kirk are wrapped up in this as well guess what dan bongino and and the right wing are like number three they're like the t if you look at the top 10 on on facebook it's like Dan Bongino, Daily Wire, um, Ben Shapiro, Ben Shapiro, Dan Bongino, Dan Bongino, Charlie Kirk, Rachel Maddow. Like, that's what it is. On Like, this is not, like, the, the bigger implications to this are not that, oh, some of us were being shadow banned, which is a thing, the, the, the way that this, this policy is described has been on Twitter's policies since, like, 2018. This is a well-documented policy that they're doing. They're yeah. just acting like this. Like, this is so dumb. This is, it's so frustrating and so stupid that these people are flipping out of this and they're going to just say the crazy stuff while they're currently winning. Like, <laughs> I cannot stress this enough. Their guy owns the platform. Yeah. Ian, Ian Miles Chong, Cat Turd, Jesse Kelly. Jesse Kelly's a lunatic. He was currently, he tweets up stuff that, that the Democrats are communists. All the time that they're currently in control. Bro, there is no communist in this country anywhere near the levels of power. Because if there were, the workers' strike would have gotten some some sick days. That's a like, very interesting point. <laughs> like, like, Elon Musk 
will ban people because these these lunatics will say, hey, look, Elon, they're saying some crazy stuff, or can you ban this? Just listen to Andy No, who is a, a propagandist who um who purposely lies in order to to rile up uh violence for the in, in defense of fascist groups. There he he believes that Antifa is a huge problem when even he himself said there's maybe a thousand members in the country. They let Project Ver Veritas back on, which, to be fair, I'm happy about because I love Project Veritas because they are objectively the dumbest people's idea of a, of a journalist because what they do is they they videotape people and then they edit it and then they put subtitles on and then they put big scary headlines in it. And then if you listen to the things that the person is saying, it's not it doesn't equate to the, head, to the, the subtitles or what they're arguing. My favorite one, and I'll always bring this up, they had this teacher in California who they claimed was a socialist who was trying to, to indoctrinate your kid into Marxism and Antifa. And if you watch the video, the things that they say in the subtitles, they put in parentheses and quotations of things he's not saying. They're basically, he's like, yeah, I want them to be, this was, now granted, this was during um, the Black Lives Matter stuff. So there was, there was protests. He's like, yeah, you'll get points if you go to the protest so you can learn how to protest. Yeah. You get points if you're doing like other, um, going to other meetings and things like where that would get you involved in civil service. And they're like, oh, he's a Marxist. And their argument was, oh, he has um, an Antifa flag in his classroom and he's a picture of Mao Zedong. It's like, first off, the guy's a history teacher. Yeah. For all you know, he's currently teaching about that that um that time period, and he's using it to decorate the classroom to make points about what he's teaching. Yeah, D but, David, uh, we we had an earlier segment on today uh, about what needs to be done with social media and the internet, and I was arguing strongly for a strong baseline federal law that establishes. A basis for liability. Uh, it carves through the First Amendment crap and bullshit that's out there right now and takes away the power from simply the owners, the private owners of these platforms, and gives liability to them for anything that they repeat and liability to the people who puts that up there. And you can't just scream First Amendment. You actually have. Now we're going to, well, it'll be fought in the courts forever. But we have to start somewhere to stop this ridiculousness, and 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 it's and it's going to go, it's going to keep going until we until the Congress has, the, has you know grows a pair and essentially says we're going to do legislation, correct legislation that really controls social media and the internet. But uh, that's not going to happen anytime too soon, but I hope it happens soon enough. Uh, what I can say has happened is that this has been another uh, splendid conversation with you, and I appreciate it so much. David, again, where can people find you? They can find me on uh, Twitter at Faces Ideas or twitch.tv slash Fresh Faces No Ideas. Fantastic. I'm glad that you're, you're getting uh, back into the swing of your, uh, of your thing, your social media thing, which is handled responsibly, I would add. Uh, and what we do uh, uh, with the, and we award all of our listeners who have been responsibly li listening uh, with what we always say on, on a Friday or any other time, uh, we like to end all of this with a little jazz.
listening to Central Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and thank you once again for being part of today's show. We've got to find a way to control this monster called social media, the information passing on the internet. We have to establish a federal law, a baseline federal law that cuts past all of the First Amendment arguments and lays out true liability for platform owners and platform users, and then we'll hash it out from there.